Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. Friends, gather, I invite you to join with me in prayer and ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to seek the Christ of Christmas. We ask that you'd work through this Christmas message and perform a miracle on our hearts. For those who are down, lift them high. For those who felt lost, help them to feel found. For those covered in shame and guilt, release them to know the greatness of your love. And now help us to see the beauty of the baby born for us and bless the preaching of your word. Amen. And so again, Merry Christmas, and uh, thank you for joining us here at Amazing Love. Today we celebrate the Son of God who became a man, so that men and women become sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah and amen. And I want to start out with a question. I wanted to know, what do you need God to save you from this Christmas? It's kind of a heavy question, so let's keep it light. I'm a fan of the Home Alone movies. I think they're Christmas classics, and maybe that's because I'm a children of the 80s, I don't know. But do you remember what Kevin McAllister needed as he came to the Rockefeller Center tree? His words went something like this. He said, this year I don't want any presents. I just want to take back every mean thing I ever said to my family. And if they don't take it back, I don't care. I'll still love them, even Buzz. And if it's not possible to see all of my family, could I just see my mom? I'll never ask for another thing as long as I live. Just let me see my mother. You remember that? Some of you. What Kevin McAllister needed is someone to save him from homesickness. Someone to help the condition of his heart. What do you need God to save you from this Christmas? I remember growing up, uh, we had a paper route, and uh, it was good to be a paper boy at Christmas. Because we got this Christmas bonus, and I remember getting over $200 of cash in my wallet. It was pretty awesome. But there was one Christmas Eve where the wallet was lost. And I remember with tears, pleading, God, be my savior for this wallet. I need to find this $200, which for a kid was a lot of money. Still is a lot of money today. Do you think he came through? He did. Let me ask you, what do you need saving from this Christmas. Maybe there are some kids who are so excited for presents 
Anyone excited? And you're saying, God, could, could, could you save me from disappointment? God, God, could, could you make it possible that what I ask for, at least one thing, comes in that uh, gift under the bow? Parents, things change, and babe, I didn't get you anything for Christmas. I'm sorry. We were being honest when we said that, right? Good. But, but maybe parents have different expectations. You're, you're going to a family gathering, and you have some hopeful expectations. Lord, save us from conflict. Lord, make the meal turn out just right. Lord, let it be good. My Christmas break. Help it to refresh me and not let me get sick because the adrenaline wore off. And then there's the serious things we're asking saving from. See, some of you come in and it's your first Christmas without that loved one. And your Lord, like, Lord, save me from this feeling. I miss them and they're not here. For some of you, you're in a relationship and it's never been worse. It could be with a spouse or a child. Lord, save me from this. For some of you, it might be health circumstances. For other of you, it might be financial circumstances. Some of you, it's just school. I want to get through. Lord, save me from this. Well, tonight, we learn a Savior is born. But he may not be your first pick. I consider the world he was born into. You know what kind of Savior they wanted? And maybe you can relate to this in America. They wanted a political Savior. Did you know that? At the time, there was Roman rule. Caesar Augustus was over everything. The Caesars had their reign. And they wanted Jesus to be the political ruler to throw off Caesar, restore Israel. We see this in the disciples' words. They gathered around and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of God to Israel? They wanted a political savior. I don't know what kind of savior you want. Financial, health, relational. I don't know what it is. But, but I, I do have this announcement for you. The announcement of the angels that a savior has been born. And we're going to focus on the fact that he is just the right savior for you. And he might not primarily be all the things that you're hoping he might be. But he's just right. In fact, he's perfect. And that's what we get to discuss this Christmas Eve. How he is just the right savior for all of us. So let's get into the, to the Word of God, which we believe is our power. Uh, the Word of God today is recorded by the disciple named John. He walked with Jesus, was an eyewitness of Jesus, and he records these words in his letter. Um, you can follow along on the screen. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness we have received grace and place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. These are the words we get to dig into. To the person sitting next to you, can you tell them, he's the perfect gift. He's the perfect gift. He's the perfect gift. 
know there are many things that I enjoy about the Christmas season. One thing that I'm surprised is not many people drink eggnog. How, how many drink eggnog? I'm just... Yeah, it's not the majority, friends. Um, but, but one of the things I enjoy is um, Christmas lights, because everyone can, can usually appreciate some Christmas lights, right? And um, there is a standard that was set for all Christmas lights for all time. And if you've ever seen this movie called National Lampoon's Christmas, you know what I'm talking about, right? Christmas lights are fantastic. And our culture has actually taken this concept and they just ran with it. And maybe there are some who've seen the Christmas light fight. It's pretty good. Like, people quit their day jobs just to do this, right? A guy in Tinley Park made this. And maybe for you, you enjoy the Christmas lights you have in your mind, your favorite neighborhood house, or where you like to go, the Magnificent Mile, or maybe the New Lenox Commons. And what I see about Christmas lights and what I find is this principle, that It has to get dark for the light to shine brightly. See, no one drives around as a family in the day and looks at the neighborhood lights, do they? No, they they wait for the night because it's only when it gets dark that you can actually see them. Now, I'm going somewhere spiritually here. Do you know our world has become night? Darkness has come. Soon enough, we're going to wrap up 2017 and and just consider with me all of the periods of darkness. Consider the natural disasters. Hurricane Irma, Hurricane Harvey, wildfires in California. Darkness has come. Consider terrorist attacks. The Las Vegas shooting, what happened in New York City. Darkness has come. Consider all the stories that are heartbreaking. We've heard of women through the Me Too campaign where women were oppressed by the Harry Weinsteins of the world, and, and we're learning that the world is dark. But I don't have to speak generic, do I? Do you know the darkness I speak of? Maybe it was something done to you. Maybe it's something that you do. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a disease. Maybe it's something that you're stuck with. The world is dark. But can I say to you, something to you on Christmas Eve? It's what John said. Look at this. There's a light that's shining in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And I need to tell you, this light, he has a name. His name is Jesus, who is the light of the world. And he can bring hope and healing to all the periods of darkness that I already previously spoke about. He can bring hope and healing to your own life as well. This, I believe, from the bottom of my heart. He is the light of the world how good this is. And what I also see about this dynamic, this interplay of light and darkness, and no, I'm not going to have a Star Wars reference, is that sometimes it's the darkness that guides us to the light. Does anyone know the story of the Magi? There's a song, The Three Kings. Do you know that's all wrong? We don't know if there are three. There are wise people. Um, there, there are three gifts. We don't know if there are kings. There were just, again, wise men. Uh, but, but, but how did they get guided to, to the one who was the light? It was dark. And they followed a star. And it's hard to follow stars in the daylight. It's only the darkness that can lead you to it. And because they followed the star during the night, they found the Savior. You know, sometimes darkness works this way. 
Darkness is there so that we can find the light. It, it reminds me of the story of a prodigal son who, who the world became dark for. He, he was in the middle of a, a pigsty longing to eat what the pigs ate, and it was dark, and he's like, I want the light. I want my father. And here's what I would say to you. I don't joy in your periods of darkness and the stories that have gotten you down, but here's what I would joy. If that darkness made you crave the light, hallelujah. If that darkness made you seek him out and and you found him, hallelujah. And I would tell you, if this hasn't been your experience yet, the light has come. And he can change your heart and your life forever. For that's my story. I wasn't addicted. I wasn't someone on the news. I have sin, but... Even though my sins you might consider light, I would tell you my darkness is real. I have something in me that is called the sinful nature, and it's pitch black. It leads me to say things, to do things, to be things that I'd rather not be. But I'm here to tell you the light has overcome it. I'm here to tell you I have the privilege of being a child of God, the authority as a son of God. I have learned the light of his love, the light of his forgiveness, the light of my true destiny with him forever someday because as he came down, I'm going up. And so maybe there's someone here today and you realize what I'm speaking about. You're real with the fact that there is darkness in you because you say things, you do things, you are things that you'd rather not be. We call that sin, folks. But light has come. And the answer I found can be the answer for you. Here's the pathway. Here's the solution. It recorded in 1 John. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you don't want to admit this, if you want to stay in darkness, that that could be your path. But if you confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you're willing to be out there and say, God, I need you because my life is dark. God, I need you to have the light of your love overcome my darkness. He is here and can purify you. Because the Savior's name is, what's his name? Does anyone know what that name means? It just means he saves. He's a Savior who has come. And more than a political Savior more than a financial Savior, more than a relational Savior, I need you to know this Savior who's just the right Savior on Christmas Eve. He's ultimately primarily a Savior from sin, and He has saved you and He has saved me. For the Savior was not only born, but that He died and He rose again because this was the price to set us free, and free you are, free indeed. But I need to find a way to make this memorable. How can this message of Christmas stick out in your hearts and lives? Well, David, do you think you could bring down the lights for us? Don't worry. We're all good. Oh, I can see you now. Wow. Does anyone have cell phones? Cell phones? Do you want to put your flashlight on? And we're just doing this experiment where, isn't it true the darker things get, the brighter the light is? Now, I don't have a cell phone. I I went to Home Depot and I got uh, this atomic light. Look at this guy, right? I won't shine at anyone's eyes. It's pretty awesome. And I was thinking, like, with the atomic light, if if I'm dark, I, I have no chance within my light, right? The darkness has no chance when the light is on. 
But then I'm like, it's Christmas. This isn't big enough. So, so I got something else. Right, you know. And I'm like, wow. Because you need to know what, what I'm trying to say is that our Savior, he, he is the light who we find here. And, and darkness has no chance. And, and so this means it doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter your addiction. It doesn't matter um, anything up to this point because Jesus can overcome your darkness. He has. And you can be set free. It's pretty awesome. And you know what I find is sometimes it's in the darkness Jesus glows. Did you see that? And maybe you'll be helped to remember that a little bit more. David, you can turn the lights on. He's the Savior who broke the darkness, can break our darkness. He's the Savior who sometimes only can be seen because your life turned dark. And I don't praise God for your darkness, but I praise God that you found it. But can we talk about him a little bit more? I'm not done yet. We'll be here about two more hours. <laughs> Has anyone ever been to preschool Christmas pageants? These are phenomenal things, aren't they? That we have four and five-year-olds do anything more than a minute long is, is radical. And uh, I had the joy of, of going to a preschool program, and, and what I noticed is that in every preschool pro- program, there's always that one kid who's not dealing, right? It's the girl with the dress. It's, it's the person who saw their parents, and now is not looking at the teacher. It's the person, you know, uh, playing with their friends on the side. It's, it, it's this guy right here, right? You know, we're right here, here. And I want to set up a hypothetical. Let's say it was your child who was the naughty one at the preschool pageant. Okay? You ever been there? Let's say it was your kid that was just not dealing well, was fighting with the other. As a parent, after the preschool program, you have this dichotomy of what message are you going to give them, don't you? Because we know they're four and five, and yet they were completely naughty. Right? And so I believe, you know, this is paradigm. Do I give him grace or do I give him truth? Here's what grace would sound like. Great job. That was awesome. Real good. All right, let's go get ice cream. Now, is that the only thing the children need to hear if they were the naughty one? I don't think so. I strive more to the truth in these situations. The truth would be, I can't believe how naughty you were. Are you kidding me? I was so embarrassed that you are my child and you did that and we're not getting ice cream. But is that the only thing they should hear? Probably not. See, in children, there's this dichotomy where we need to give them both a message of truth and grace and they need to come in the right balance and that's what makes good parenthood and everyone fails at it. But there's a Savior who was born. And one of the things I love about this Savior, look at what it says about him. It says, he came from the Father full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And and, and both are needed. You consider the world we live in. This world desperately needs some truth. They don't need condoning of their sinful activity or, or of their personal subjective morality. We live in a world that says, as long as it's right by me, it must be right. The Savior who came doesn't say that. 
He says when you answer hurt with revenge instead of forgiveness, that's ugly. He says when you do something that makes you feel good but hurts someone else, that's ugly. For all the times you've been loveless, I'm not going to say that's all right. You need to hear the truth as wrong and ugly and should cease and desist. But the same Savior God who would not sugarcoat any sin also willingly covers every sin. He says, you got problems, I got the solution. He says, you you think grace doesn't go that far? You don't know my grace yet. It can go further still. This world desperately needs a message of truth and grace. And it's found in our Savior. You know, I consider there's truth and grace found in the ugly sweater phenomenon. Anyone wearing an ugly sweater? I, I found some cool ugly sweaters. I like the garland. I wanted to man it up a little bit, so I found this one. Maybe that's not manning it up, it's just good taste. Anyway, um, and then um, this is what I was going to get for my wife. Just, you're welcome. (laughs) Totally kidding. Anyway. And the thing is, we have here picture truth and grace, because the truth is they're ugly, right? No one walks around and says, I'm looking beautiful, right? No. No. No, that's a really ugly sweater. I was laughing. You know, let's say you go to your grandma's and they don't understand that this is a satirical statement on sweaters and they try to say something nice, right? <laughs> Looking good. <laughs> so the truth is they're ugly. The grace is that if you understand that, you can wear it, <laughs> right? Truth and grace in an ugly sweater. Well, enough about that. I wanted to ask, what do you need to hear more of? Here's a barometer. If you know there's something in your sin that you're condoning, and you know what it is, you're saying, it's okay. I've tried before and I cannot change, and it doesn't matter. If you know you're using grace as a license to do whatever you want, you need to hear the truth. Ugly. Ugly, ugly. It's so ugly it could keep you from God forever as you love sin more than the Savior. But if you come in here tonight beat up by guilt and shame, If you're wondering, can he really forgive that? Can he really do it again? You need to know he can. You need to know you have full and free forgiveness. Because he's filled with both truth and grace. But there's more to the Savior. And this is a time where we're seeing some family. And... uh, It's funny seeing family again, and sometimes you stay with family, and it's funny when you stay with family, all the things that you learn. When you stay with family, you learn whether they're morning or night people. You learn what they have in the fridge and what you need to bring along because they don't have it. And and, and probably most important, you learn how many people can fit in an 8 by 8 space. (laughs) And there's intimacy when you stay by family. There's the intimacy of just being known and them knowing you of how clean they like to keep things, of everything that they are, of everything that they cannot hide. Maybe they do socially, but they don't when you stay with them. This Savior is just the right Savior because let me point out something. He made his dwelling among us, which means he just slept over. He tented, he camped here. You have a Savior who stayed with you. And what that means is he understands the full spectrum of your emotion and your experience. He understands if this Christmas is a really hard one for you or if it's a really good one for you. 
and anywhere in between. He understands the joy and excitement of opening something and getting a gift or the heartbreak of of missing someone and having things go wrong. He knows darkness as he himself was betrayed, denied, and crucified. And he knows light as he rose from the dead and shared joy and victory with all people. This Savior knows you full well. And that's why he's just the right Savior. But one final thing before I go. I wanted to share my favorite thing about the Savior. Well, second favorite after the sin thing. Second favorite thing about the Savior. Do you know, if you've ever opened Christmas gifts, how sometimes there's one last gift that gets brought in? That was my childhood experience. I'd have all the gifts opened, and I got the plastic dinosaur in grade school, and thanks, Grandma, for the underwear, and why do they do that? And, um, and the sibling gifts and, and the little things, and, and it was in these moments that you're already saying, like, I had a good, you know, Christmas. That after you already took inventory, one last one came in. And, and the best one for me, and I've shared this before, was, was this thing, which has come back, by the way. One last gift has come in. And it was like, but I already, I already got gifts, and now I get this thing too? That's great. This is awesome. Do you know how this relates to the Savior? I was reading, and this was maybe my favorite verse. It says that, that out of his fullness we have received grace in place of grace. And, and that's a wrong translation because it's not like he, he trades one grace for another grace. Better... Literal is grace upon grace. So like you got one gift, I'm going to stack some more on. You thought you had some loot, I'm going to give some more yet. And here's what this means. Yes, it's true that primarily he's a savior from sin, but do you know he can be so much more? And I believe that if you've walked with him long enough, you've had these grace upon grace moments. Do you know what I'm talking about? Things where it's where I had my cake and I ate it too. And it's not every day in a broken world. I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. But do you know, you, you, you might get grace upon grace. As you find him as savior from sin, you might also find him savior for your finances. Because there's this passage that says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. As you find him savior from sin, you might also find him savior of a broken heart. Because he can be the strength of your heart and your portion forever. And he can find you where other people have failed. He can heal relationships, friends. If you listen to his words of forgiveness and love, you might have thought it could never get worse and and maybe he can help you see it could always get better. That's what I call grace upon grace. May you experience it this Christmas. May you realize he might not have been your first pick, but he's perfect because he's so much more. Not just the Savior from sin, but Savior for all. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God which transcends our understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.